At Pathway, we want to help you know God, find family, and make a difference. That's what we are all about in a nutshell. So, again, thanks for, for being here. Uh, this is, a, if you're new, um, a, a great series. We're in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting. We do this every year in um, January. So we started the first uh, of January, January 1st this year. And uh, so next week, we'll, next Sunday will be the conclusion of that. And just hearing so many amazing, last Sunday, so many people coming up and talking to me about fasting and what they're fasting. And, and I am so proud of you. I just, I really am. I, I, and just to hear what God is doing in people's lives and the stories. And I didn't even ask. I wasn't saying, what are you fasting? What's God doing? People were just telling me. And, and it was amazing. It really was. In fact, I, I'm not trying to overhype it, but I don't know that in five years of doing 21 days in prayer and fasting, I've heard as many stories as I heard last week of what God was doing in people's lives. And so I am just so proud of you. I really, really am. Uh, you guys are awesome. And so, man, we got one more week to go, prayer and fasting. And if God's not moving in your life now, I promise you, he is setting you up for the blessing to come this year. And uh, so we're excited about that. And uh, we're also in the middle of a series that we do every January um, called Asking for a Friend. And so on your when you came in and sit down on the armchair there um, in your nice heated seats with cup folders that you have reclining and everything, uh, there's a blank card on the front. It's our Pathway logo. On the back, it's blank. And so what we would like for you to do is ask a question. You can ask any question at all. Nothing is off limits. Nothing's off the table. And then we spend the whole month just answering real-life questions that you deal with. And last week we had a lot of questions about the end of the world and what does the Bible say. We, we kind of group them all together. Uh, this week are a lot of really down-to-earth practical things that I think almost all of us deal with on a regular basis. And, and what we do as well every, every week is we have a different staff pastor. Last week we had Pastor Kyle, and today we have Pastor Cranda, also my wife. And uh, we're so glad that she's joining us. And uh, so excited about that. She's the CFO of the Thiessen household as well. And uh, so we are, we are glad that uh, she's with us. So uh, our connections pastor here at Pathway uh, 2. And so really excited. Um, and uh, good about that. anything you want to say, Pastor Cranner? No, doing great. Okay. All right. That's good. Um, good deal. Um, the first question we have, is a, this is a good question somebody asked last week. Uh, and again, it's not too late, so feel free to submit your question. You could do it anonymously. You can sign your name uh, and just put on those cards. Here's the first question we have this week. Uh, do dogs go to heaven even though they don't know him, meaning God? A good question. Uh, we, we've, I think, had this before back when we were at the high school. It's a good question. Uh, and so dogs, I think you could say all pets, right? Maybe you have a, a horse uh, or, you know, a llama, uh, whatever your favorite animal is. Um, good question. So I, I would say this, are there animals in heaven? Yes, the Bible talks about that. It talks about there's a lion in heaven, there's a lamb, there's um, other animal types in heaven. So there's animals in heaven. Are they specifically your pet or my pet? I don't know. Um, so, you know, there's that. Uh, the only thing that really goes to heaven is something that has a soul, which your soul, only human beings uh, have a soul or a spirit. And so your spirit, your soul, the real you will live forever. Um, but uh, do pets have that? I don't think they do. Okay, no offense. I have, I, listen, we, this past year had to, had to uh, you know, we had a pet dog, Callie. Um, don't look like that. I love the dog. She I hated the dog. I knew he was going to say that. Yeah. I hated the dog. <laughs> I did. Yeah, she would go around saying, I can't wait for you to die, Callie. She would. 
okay? And I'm like, you know, this poor animal. And uh, so anyway, after 14 years, she, you know, is uh, now in the backyard. And so um, not living in the backyard, we'll put it that way. Uh, and so I, is she in heaven? I don't know. If it was up to me, yes. It was up to Coranda, no. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I would kind of doubt it. But again, there's animals in heaven. Could it be that God knows you love that animal and he wants it to be in heaven? Sure. I mean, he's God. Um, so are animals the main attraction of heaven? No, they're not. Uh, Jesus is the main attraction of heaven, all right? So, uh, but, but it's a question. Any other thoughts that you want to have besides hating our dog? I did not hate the dog. But when you got three kids, three jobs, a husband, and a dog that pees more than an old lady during the night, sometimes it's time to go. <laughs> so. Man. Okay, I so. love Callie. So when I think it was actually a lot harder on me than it was on anyone else. No. I doubt that. But um, who knows? So when I go old and have to go to the restroom multiple times a night, you're going to put me down too? Is that where we're going with this? I'll seek help for that later. Man, man I might, we might need counseling after this. Uh, man, um, yeah. Uh, so fun story. Our, our kids, uh, our dog was 14 years old, way older than all of our kids. We got it our first year of marriage, and it was a Christmas present for Cranda that about after like a week, she's like, I'm over this. Uh, give me something else. <laughs> it's too late. You wanted this dog. We got it. And uh, so she really kind of became my dog. And um, the morning that we had to put Callie down, I uh, had a lot of health issues. You know, I told the kids before they go to school, hey, you say goodbye to Callie. Last time you're going to see her. And uh, they're like, bye. <laughs> and so then they went to school, and they got home, and, and they didn't even ask, like, where's Callie? And so finally, like, do you guys want to know where Callie? Oh, yeah, where's Callie? Yeah, so she's back behind that tree. They're like, okay. They just went off. So uh, I guess our kids are kind of uh, tough in that regard. Yeah. So uh, here's the next question. This is a good one. Uh, we have four today, so here's our next one. Um, how do I know God is talking to me if I can't really hear him? That's a great, great question. And I think this is something for all of us, right? I don't know about you, but I would imagine if you have a relationship with Jesus on any level, whether it's new or 20 years old, you've, you've probably wrestled with this at some point of, I know God loves me, I'm going to heaven, all the good stuff, but I don't hear him talk to me. And so how do I know that? Um, very, very good question. The Bible has a lot to say that, in fact, in the whole Bible, it's mentioned over 300 times, and God said. All right, so God is a God that talks to us, not just people in the Bible. He talks to us, and you need to know, maybe you never knew that. But God doesn't just talk to pastors or people with theology degrees. He talks to you. Um, and so there's a lot that we could say what the Bible says. I just want to give you, I think, the words of Jesus are maybe the, the most clear and direct on that. In the New Testament, in uh, a book called John, John was the guy that wrote it, talking about the life of Jesus. Jesus is talking. In John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says this, My sheep, meaning us, figuratively speaking, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So to be honest with you, there is an expectation from Jesus that we know his voice. And there's a lot of voices in the world, right? There's a lot of voices, you know, in our own life, competing voices, voices for your time, voices for your money, voices for your attention or your gift or your talent or your resources. A lot of voices, a lot of competing things in your, your job, your family. Um, and so how do you know the voice of God in your life as opposed to all the other voices? Great, great question. I would say a couple of things. Uh, one is, is honestly just by spending time with him. Uh, the more time that you spend with God, the more you're going to know his voice. 
Um, and again, we say this a lot, but if I only uh, talk to Coranda, my wife, uh, for about 20 minutes every morning, and then that was it, and I did all the talking for those 20 minutes, I'm not going to know her voice, right? I have a relationship with her, and she loves me, and I love her, but, but I'm not going to really know her voice because, one, I only talk to her for a very specific amount of time, which is just 20 minutes, and then that's it the rest of the day. And then, number two, I do all the talking. But if I spend time with her throughout the day and we, we kind of talk back and forth and we have conversations, some are longer and in-depth, some are shorter, but the more I spend around her, the more time I spend with her, and the more time I spend just listening, quieting my opinions and my thoughts, and when I want to interject, just listening to her, the more I'm going to really know her voice. And so that's, that's a lot of it. Um, and I would say this, you got to make time to listen to God. So we encourage everybody to pray daily. You need to pray every day. Prayer is just communicating with God, setting aside that time to spend with him, communicating in prayer talking to him. It's not thee, thou, though, holy, great, wonderful. No, just be real, okay? Just like you talk to a friend. But in that process, you need to set aside some time. And if you pray for five minutes, then I would say maybe pray, actually talk to God for three and give two to just listen. If you're praying for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, you need to carve out about five minutes somewhere in there. And again, I'm not going to give you exact times, but you need to carve out some time where you just listen. I've been doing this since I was a teenager. So I'll pray, God, I need this in my life. God, would you help me help this person, whatever. But at the end, I always end my prayer every time with just giving God time to speak to me. And as I've been doing that year after year after year, I begin to learn his voice. I begin to learn the difference between that's what I want or that's kind of the voice in my head versus, no, that's God leading me. And for me, the biggest way that I hear God speak to me is through his word. Uh, through the Bible. And, and again, that's why you need to pray and read the Bible every day um, is because that's where you hear God speak to you. In fact, this is just how I do it. I'm not saying it's the right way or the only way. I will spend time praying usually first and then studying my Bible after that. Why? Because prayer kind of help opens up my mind and my heart. And a lot of times the thing I'm praying or talking to God about, I'll begin to read the answer in the Bible, even though I'm, I'm, you know, maybe reading something completely different. But it's like you'll read something in the Bible that you've read 10 times or 20 times or five times, but that one time it jumps off the page at you. It just grabs you. Um, so I've been reading uh, in my own life uh, Psalm 27, been reading that a lot. And, and because I've read it before, but man, every time it just, I feel like God is speaking even one sentence to me or showing me one thing. Uh, so speaking in his word, and he speaks to our heart. You know, does God speak in an audible voice? Maybe. I, I've never known anyone that that's happened to. It would be super cool. But usually he speaks to your heart. But it, And I think God wants to speak to you. He absolutely does. But if you're doing all the talking, you're not giving him room. You know, I've heard people say that God is a gentleman, and, and that's true. God's not going to interject and interrupt you all the time. you got to make room for him to speak. you got to prepare your heart, prepare your mind, and just... Um, do that. So other thoughts that you would have about hearing God's voice and God speaking to you? Yeah, I mean, I remember as a student in youth ministry, someone shared an analogy with me that's always kind of stuck, and they just were talking about it almost as like a multi-level home. And so like if you're on one level and you imagine God to be on another level, if you're having a conversation, like it's really hard to hear when you're not in the same place. And so we kind of have that unspoken rule in our house too with the kids. They'll be like calling, and I know they're calling me from another room, but I won't answer 
because I've said over and over and over, like, come to where I am to talk to me. Don't try and yell from another room because I can't really hear you clearly. And so I feel like, you know, you have to really position and posture your heart. And so if this is a new thing for you, that's awesome because this is good. This is good stuff. And so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the same. I was going to share that too about, you know, I don't really feel as though God speaks in an audible way to me. Someone actually asked me that just the other day, and I've never heard audibly the voice of God. Um, And I don't always know that I know that I know that he's leading me 110% in a certain direction, but I feel very strongly and very confident because I recognize the character and the nature of the God that I serve. So it was a really challenging concept for me to kind of grasp hold of this for a long time because I didn't have an earthly father that I necessarily could picture. And And so I didn't have that in my life. And so I think for me, it was very difficult to understand God as a father who loved and cared and was gentle for me and wanted the best for me. When I was able to finally understand who God was in my life and who God is, the character and the nature of God, and that he has our best interest at heart and that he cares for us, that he loves us, I think it became easier to hear him and to feel him moving in my heart and to know when he was leading me in a certain way because I knew God. And so that makes a big difference. And that's why we say here at Pathway all the time, know God. That comes first. Know God, find family and make a difference. But know God is so important. So prayer will totally revolutionize your life, not just for you and for so many different areas, but so that you can hear God. And and I, same, making time to listen to him, that can be kind of hard. I hear a lot of people say, well, I just get so distracted when I pray and my mind is just, well, just stop and listen for a minute and practice the art of listening. I've learned that a lot from him. I can talk a lot. And so um, he's, he has tried to encourage me over the years of our marriage to just kind of stop and just listen and just make sure you're really actively listening. So even just practicing that in your relationships, I feel like helps that in your prayer life. So just really positioning your heart and making time to listen. And then absolutely just in his word, just even if it's a small amount of scripture that you're just digesting daily, but just praying, God, would you use this to speak to my my heart. And and you'll know that you know that God is speaking to you through his word because yeah, you can read something over and over, but then you go back to read it again and it just speaks to you in such a different way. So it's very powerful. God does not want to distract you. God does not want to mislead you. His intent is not to confuse you. So I believe that when you are seeking to actually have a deep relationship with the Lord and you really do desire to hear him, he will make that known to you in a way that you understand and that is specific to you. So what may um, work for someone else in their prayer life may be different for you. So just make sure that you you keep those blinders on. I think sometimes we get discouraged. Well, boy, that person, they they really, their time with the Lord is just so powerful. And I they're just hearing from God and I'm it's silence over here. Just be faithful, be faithful, be faithful. Yeah, that's that's really good. I love the. That's a great point about being in the same room, um, you know, because we do that with our kids. At least we try to, uh, to say, "No, come, come to where I am." Sometimes we go to where they are, but the principle, spiritually speaking, of what of what you said that I really liked was sometimes God is kind of calling us out of the distraction of where you are. Now, not literally, but but spiritually, metaphorically, 
that maybe there's a lot of distraction, a lot of those voices in your life, and God is saying, I need you to come out of that and come away with me to this kind of quiet place, not forever, not for the next six months, but just for the next hour or the next 10 minutes or 30 minutes or the next day or week, and let's just kind of get away and get alone together. Uh, and so that's why I encourage you, um, you know, every now and then, man, don't listen to the radio or podcast on your way to work or when you're working out or whatever, and just listen. Just spend that time uh, listening. And, and and if you're new to that, it's not going to happen overnight, right? It's a, it's kind of a learned thing that happens over time. But I promise you God will speak. And uh, for me, I would say 90% of it is by studying the Bible. It really is. Um, and then sometimes he'll just speak to my heart about things, and I'll, I'll share some of those in years to come, some really big ones. Um, but most of the time, it is it is through just studying um, the Bible, and and as I'm praying about something, and again, something I've read a hundred times, it'll it'll totally jump off the page and grab me. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's really good. Anything else that you would have on on that of of uh, listening to God? That's good. Uh, here's our next question. This is a great one. Again, feel free to write them down right now, and and just leave them there. We'll pick them up on your on our way out. Um, what examples in the Bible can you give us to help us with anger? Anger when it comes to parenting, marriage or everyday interaction? Great question. Uh, so what examples in the Bible can you give us to help with anger? And the Bible talks a lot about anger. It talks a lot about emotions, period, but anger as well. And I'm just going to give you um, some of the highlights really quick. Um, in the New Testament, James, who was the half-brother of Jesus and the first pastor of the church in Jerusalem in the first century, writes this letter to other Christians. And he says this in chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen. We just talked about that. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. We just, we just talked about that, right? Be, be slow to speak. We, we live in an American culture that loves to give opinions, right? That is what social media is. It is your opinion platform for any and everything around the world. Even though you're not an expert and you have no clue what you're talking about, you want to tell everybody your opinion. That's my soapbox for the day. Um, and, and that's what social media has become. There's really nothing social about it. It is just you're the expert or someone is the expert, and they just tell everybody about it. And, and, uh, and no. As followers of Jesus, you're to be different, and I'm to be different. You might be the world's leading expert. Be slow to speak. Now, if someone is asking you directly, what do you think, you know, and I need your help, absolutely. But sometimes people think I'm quiet. No, I really take this seriously. I try to be slow to speak. I want to listen. Um, and so why? Because it's slow to get angry. If you're, if you're just spouting off your opinion all the time, your, your emotional gauge is going to be at a level 9 all the time. And then all of a sudden something happens and you're at a 10. But if you're slow to speak, you're kind of that calm, it takes a while to get to 10, right? Because you're just slow to speak. You're just absorbing that. And so um, be slow to get angry. Well, how? Because you're not always gonna, ready to fire off your opinion. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So God gave us emotions. We're not saying emotions are bad. Are there times where it's good to get angry? Yes. But keep your emotions in check. Uh, you know, and, and even this is not just anger, but any, you know, being an emotional person or being a drama person or being a whatever, uh, you know, keep your emotions in check. 
We're not saying deny your emotions. We're not saying stuff them down. But we are saying don't be led by your emotions. Don't be guided by your emotions. As I always talk about, you know who else is always guided by their emotions? Toddlers, okay? They, are, they just live on their emotions. We're to be adult humans, <laughs> followers of Jesus. Let's be led by him, not ignoring our emotions, but filtering our emotions through him, through his word. So here's some other ones, and, and uh, we'll get uh, Karanda's opinion on this. Proverbs 29, collections of wise saying from the wisest man that ever lived. Solomon says this, Proverbs 29, 11, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. There's a theme developing here. You notice that? Fools are just, they spout off all the time. Wise people keep it in. They keep it to themselves. Ecclesiastes 7, 9 says this in the Old Testament, control your temper for anger labels you a fool. Now, there's like seven other verses we could give, but you get the idea because they all kind of say the same thing, right? New and Old Testament. The Bible is unified in this. Hey, anger can really ruin your life. I mean, you can spend years building up a reputation or a relationship, and one moment spouting off an anger can ruin it. So be very careful in that and filter that. And, and just some other biblical examples quickly. You get to the Old Testament. Uh, there's the second book of the Bible called Exodus. It's the exit of the people of God out of slavery in Egypt into the land that God had given them, modern-day Israel. And their leader, Moses, did all these amazing miracles, all these great things really close to God. I mean, he was the guy. He was the leader. And yet could not go into the land God promised them because he lost his temper and lost his anger. I mean, he was the leader for years, for decades, and one moment of anger lost it. And God said, because of that, you can't go in. You can see it, but you can't go in it. So it's a very real thing. Um, So again, don't be controlled by your emotions, but give them to God through prayer. I realize it's easier said than done, right? I'm a human being too. I get angry too. Uh, Karanda can tell you that. And and there's times where where I don't always uh, filter it, but I feel like I do most of the time. You can probably speak to that. Uh, but um, but what I try to do, if I can feel like, you know, try to stay at like a level two, and then 10 is I'm losing it. Um, as I can feel that progression, when I get to like six or seven on my personal, you know, I'm ticked off scale, or and everybody's different on that. I, I try, not, I'm not perfect, but I try to step away and just pray. God, help me to cool off. God, I give this to you. You know I'm frustrated. You know they're driving me nuts. You know whatever the case is. God, I need your help. And I try to filter that through him. And just take a a few minutes, step away, kind of breathe a little bit, um, and then kind of come back. And then instead of being at a seven, I'm maybe back down to like a four. Still kind of frustrated, still a little disappointed or upset, but I'm not flying off the handle. So what would you say, uh, Karen, about anger? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're real people with real issues. So obviously come over to our house around Saturday afternoon, about 4.30. That seems to be our favorite time to get angry because <laughs> um, our children are losing it. It seems like that's their that's their day and their time. Um, you know, I think you have to really be a good manager of your emotions. And, and we all have issues 
we all are, are, we're real. And so that's what I love about this place is that we're real people, but we serve a real God that can help us in our weaknesses. And so I, I just read this morning in scripture that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And so um, I go back to where I have shortcomings. You know, I long for what the Bible refers to as the fruits of the Spirit. And self-control is one of those things, and that helps so much with dealing with this. And maybe there's a reason why you struggle more specifically with anger versus something else. Maybe you don't struggle at all with a temptation for lust or lying or this and that, but boy, anger is like the hot spot. And and I I was raised in a, um, a difficult environment, we'll just say. And so I, I kind of can can go from like here to here really quick. I don't always have a middle ground and that's something that the Lord has really had to work in my life and I have to to surrender and ask for help. I um, would just say to really know your triggers. I read a a really amazing book a couple years ago and it was specifically called Triggers and I can always share that with you if you want some info on it, but it was it was based upon like parenting concepts, but it applies in so many relationships in general, just in life in general, and talking about anger and and what sets you off. Like, what are the things that that cause you to go from here to here really fast. Like what makes you yell and scream and get impatient and get angry. And maybe you, maybe you do other things when you get angry. So what is it that causes that? What's the trigger? Like I have identified those in my life. So I know in order for me to prevent this to this, often I have to remove triggers or at least set some healthy boundaries. So I would just say being a good manager of your emotions doesn't just happen because you want to be a good manager of your emotions. You have to seek the Lord's help in that because we're imperfect. Like we all have weaknesses and I wish I could tell you that they just go away, but they're always there because the enemy knows those and that's a target for him to come in and to seek to devour your life. That's his goal. And so your weakness, if you if you've identified it, the enemy is identifying it too. And so just be aware and set some healthy boundaries or new things in your life to, to, to help you in those areas. Like for me, it really was a game changer when I was reading this book a couple years ago and I was like, oh, I didn't even know what my triggers were. I would get frustrated and angry and impatient, not with other people, but in my home with my kids or my spouse and just over things that were really silly. And it's still a struggle. I have to really be intentional to work on that. But helping to identify that really made a difference for me because now I know what they are. And so now I can do things and I have to make the effort. I have to make the work, but the Lord is going to perfect those in me. And so um, where we are weak, he is strong. And so he can help you. That's the good news is that you may struggle with anger, but you don't have to live as an angry person. And so that's the amazing, amazing good news is that Jesus comes to give you victory over those things, but you've got to know what weapons to use when you find yourself in a situation where you feel it coming on. And that can go with anything, any struggle. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, again, not like you said, not just anger, but any any thing that you're dealing with or struggling with maybe you don't deal with anger but maybe it's it is lying or lust or, or whatever the case is or disappointment discouragement uh comparing yourself whatever the case is and and yeah just taking some time prayerfully through prayer to do some self-assessment to say why did i react that way why am i constantly doing this why is it 
you know, and then kind of learn those boundaries. I think that's, that's really good. Um, and then again, just learning to slow down, kind of quiet your soul, listen to God through prayer, um, and then give that struggle to God in prayer. And again, it, it, I hope it happens overnight. God certainly does do that, can do that. Um, but for a lot of the time, it's a process. And, and it may take several months or weeks or maybe a year or so um, to really uh, do that. But I would say be, be intentional about it. If it's just, well, this is how I am, that's a cheap excuse. It just is. I, oh, this is how I am. No, you're not. No, you're not. Yes, um, don't ever tell me that is your excuse because I will straight up say to you, no, there is victory there. You don't have to. I, I struggled with that, and I'm so passionate about that because, listen, God wants better for you. God wants better for you. I'm not in prison and I'm not an alcoholic, but I could have been because that could have been my story. That could have been if I would have said, well, I'm, this is just the way I am. This is just the way my family was. This is a, no, like God wants more for you than that. And your weakness, don't be ashamed of it. Like find help for your weakness and whatever it is. We all got them. Um, I, I just, I really, really, that, that frustrates me because if you are a follower of Jesus, he wants more for you than that story. Don't speak that over yourself. What you say, you sow. And I really strongly believe that if you are believing the lie that, that the enemy is putting there, that I'm just going to be this way. This is just going to, this is just how it is. I struggle with this and I'm never going to get over it. You may always struggle with it, but you're going to get over it. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, so, I, again, give that uh, to God in, in prayer. Be intentional about it. If it's just, well, it is how it is, no. But if you're intentional, prayerfully, and then just working on that, and, and as, as Grant said, get some people in your life that can kind of help you. You don't have to tell, we say this a lot, you don't have to tell everybody your, all your issues, and please don't. That's, you know, uh, don't overshare, but you need to tell somebody. You need to share your, your struggle with at least one or two people that you really trust. And so tell them, and hey, would you pray with me through this and help me be accountable? Um, and then be intentional about it. You know, hey, 2023, new me. I just made that up. Uh, so I'm not going to go back, and man, I'm going to be intentional this year on this thing. And, and look a year from now where you are, where God has brought you too. And so that's good. Can I add one thing? Yeah, yeah. Shameless plug, because I'm going to do it as our connections pastor. I oversee our groups and women's group is Tuesday night. So it's going to be super good. And we're actually talking about things from today, but we're really specifically talking about big little lies that we believe, especially as women, the enemy puts in our minds. And then the things that we listen to, those whispers that we believe, well, I'm just always going to be this way. The situation's always going to be this way. So Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, find some people in your life with some good accountability, and you will find them at women's group. That's good, yeah. Uh, our our women's, women's group is tearing it up. I mean, they're doing amazing. So uh, that's good stuff. Um, here's our, our uh, last question for today. Why does God let me get into relationships if I am just going to get hurt every time? Great question. I think probably we could all relate to that. Uh, regardless of your age, uh, you can probably say, yeah. Um, so why does God allow me to get into relationships if I'm just going to get hurt every time? Well, there's a lot that, that the Bible would say about that. Too much to put, even just narrow it down to one or two things. Um, I would say this. You look at the big picture of people's lives um, in the New Testament. Romans chapter 8, a letter to Christians that lived in Rome, uh, says this, that God causes all all things to work together for the good of those who love him. So if you love God, that's you. If you don't love God, that's not you. Uh, but causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. And so um, God can use, first of all, those relationships actually for your good and actually for your benefit. 
And you're like, how? Give me an example. The Bible's full of them. I'm just going to give you one, and we don't have the room up here. But uh, the end of Genesis, in fact, this is how the first book of the Bible ends, is a story of a guy named Joseph who literally lived this out. Almost every relationship he was in, he got backstabbed. His own family, his own brothers uh, betrayed him. Uh, uh, Somebody lied about him. People forgot him in prison, in jail. His life was moving backward, not up and to the right like we wish. Backward every single step for over 10 years. For 10 years. And yet, in the end, that's what Joseph says to the people that betrayed him. You meant this for evil, but God used it for my good. Because through that 10-year process, some are like, man, 10 years, that's a long time. Yeah, some of us, we need that. But it was a refining process. So was God using those relationships, even though they were hurtful, to actually make Joseph a better man, a better leader, closer to God? Absolutely. And the Bible, could, we could go be here all day, giving you example after example after example. So I would say first, to have a big picture of you, God could be, and I believe if you love him and are following him, he probably is using that hurtful relationship to actually help you and make you better. Um, how? You're like, well, I'm, you know, because maybe there's some things in your life. Maybe, you know, we all love river rocks, right? Because we love them to decorate our house or they're pretty if you go to the mountains. And why are they so smooth, a river rock versus a rock that you dig up in the pasture? A rock you dig up in the pasture or on the field has got jagged edges. It's sharp. It's pointy. It hurts. A river rock is smooth. Why? Because for day after day, minute after minute, the water has been rushing over that rock, smoothing out the rough edges. And so God could be using those people in your life to kind of smooth out some of the rough edges in your life. You might deny, I don't have any rough edges. Exactly. So you need some people in your life to smooth out the rough edge of pride, okay, or whatever the case uh, would be. So, so I would say that he could be just using that to, to make you better. And you don't always see it in the moment, right? You don't always know it in the moment. I don't know that Joseph always knew that in the moment. Oh, this is great. It's all happening for my good. No, he probably didn't always have that view, okay? He's, he's a human. We're real. But I think when he looked back 10 years later, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm a better man. I'm a different man because God used all those different problems and hurtful things and hurtful people, hurtful comments to make me better. Um, so... I would say that. In fact, we watched a movie the other night, Friday night movie night at our house. And uh, we watched a movie, great movie, true story of a pilot in the Korean War. Um, one of the first African-American pilots did amazing things. And, and, um, but in the movie, he said that he wrote down every hurtful thing anybody ever said to him. And he would say it out loud. And I, I don't want you to do that. That's a really bad thing. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this poor guy. But it actually, he said, made me better, made me tougher, made me stronger. And so um, I think that's good. So um, I would say this as well, and we'll get uh, Pastor Crandall's thoughts, but um, that God could be using those relationships to point out to you that, hey, you keep looking to that person for your joy, your satisfaction, your fulfillment, and they're never going to give it to you. And so that's why you get hurt time after time after time. It's not even God. God is trying to tell you, hey, you need to look to me. I am your relationship. I am your joy. I am your fulfillment. I can give you what no other person can give you in that relationship. And so maybe God is saying, yeah, I'm trying to get you the point that you're getting hurt time after time because you keep thinking, oh, they can fix me. Oh, they can complete me. Oh, they can make me better. Oh, they can really help. When you ignore that God is saying, no, let me do that first. Now, can God help with other people? Yes. 
But don't be looking at other people, relying on other people to do things in your life that only God can do. Because, again, as we said a few weeks ago, that puts an enormous amount of pressure on them to, that you've got to live up to the standard. You've got to help me. You've got to, I'm counting on you. It's kind of like that bridge that there's a weight limit, and you're putting so much pressure on that relationship, and it breaks every time. Because they can't live under that pressure. Neither can you. Only Jesus can. And so maybe he's doing that. And then honestly, just to be honest, maybe sometimes you just make some bad decisions, right? You're like, why is God letting me get hurt? Because you're, you know, not the smartest credit in the box, to be honest with you. All right? We love you. But you make really poor relationship decisions, okay? And if you come to women's group, maybe they can help you. Maybe men's group can help you. Like, hey, uh, quit hanging out with that bozo, right? Or you need to you need to find someone else. And, and so... You know, maybe it's just because you're just really bad at that, and you need some godly people in your life, accountability, as we said earlier, to kind of help steer you away from making those bad decisions. So I think that's good. Pastor Grant, what do you think? I feel like it's an appropriate time to say, we're your pastors. We love you. We're your friends. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, man. I, I can just say this because I was this person. Like, I just made bad choices. Like, I found myself in relationships that were not fulfilling when I was dating as a young person. I'm still a young person. But um, as I, I just found myself in poor situations because I, I chose those poor situations. I was choosing to have relationships to where I knew that person doesn't love Jesus more than me. Like, that's not a good choice, you know? So I think probably this was asked, um, I'm assuming, from a dating standpoint, um, if if you're, you know, trying to date or you're seeking relationships. And so um, the the thing that we we like to joke with our kids about, and obviously they're they're young, but we say, you know, when when you like somebody, you need to ask yourself, do they love Jesus more than me? Like, do, do they love Jesus? That's the first important question. So why does God let me get into relationships if I'm just going to get hurt every time? Well, I think that God is the God of grace, and he gives us a lot of free will to choose things in our life, even in, in a relationship with him where we're following and pursuing. Like, you still got the choice. And so that goes back to the first question about, you know, are you spending time in his presence to be able to hear his voice? Are you choosing something? We all have needs. Are you choosing something based off of need or want in that relationship? Like, what are you needing? What are you wanting? And where is where is that hole that you're seeking that relationship for? Because if it's a cycle and you're getting hurt every time I do I think it's a good time to say like what exactly is happening and am am I making choices or am I finding myself in situations that I don't need to be in and so I'm probably a little bit more traditional in that just because my experience was negative like I probably just shouldn't have been dating people because I just wanted some I just wanted people in my life. I truly did. I found myself as a young person without having a very close family, and I just longed for relationships. And in fact, I would find myself in relationships, and I really wanted to hang out with their parents the most because I really wanted a family. I wanted to be around people that loved me. And so I wasn't always basing those choices off of like, God and scripture more than just like what feels good and what do I want and so I think too also just yes finding healthy relationships that you put into your life like think about the people that speak most into your life and are they people that you really want to be listening to are they people that are living their lives the way that you really aspire to live your like um, and so I, I would just encourage you and if you're looking for those relationships you're like I don't even 
I don't even know how to get people in my life like that. Like, I want somebody. This is a great place to start. Groups are a great place to start. Finding a team to serve on and finding relationships. You build those relationships, and that helps you not only just in your dating and your marriage, but like Pastor Ryan said, you don't have to take the mask off for everyone, but you need somewhere, a safe place where you can have some accountability, some vulnerability, and, and you can find that in healthy, godly relationships here. And that's the encouraging thing is if you're seeking to stop getting hurt every time in relationships, just take a step back and, and start asking those questions. And a lot of times it's it's us. And it's okay to say that. Like sometimes we're making bad choices and sometimes we're not. Maybe you're in relationships, not outside of dating, but like whether that's in your family, like with parents or siblings or extended family, that you are in a very difficult season of relationships. And I just feel very encouraged to share that. No matter what you're dealing with and whatever that relationship looks like today, you didn't choose this, you didn't want this, you don't want to deal with this trauma and this mess, but you find yourself there, and it's not something that you can necessarily walk away from. So this this may be something that is not of your choosing. Like, I'm in it at work. I'm in it with my family. I'm in it wherever step back and just pray and ask God to really use you. Maybe he's refining you, but maybe there are people that need to see him. And so you could be that opportunity for them. So instead of finding yourself constantly in front of them, discouraged and beat down over it and frustrated and verbally just venting that out, stop and just try and think like, what would Jesus do? Like, how can I be Jesus to these people? Because clearly they're hurting, they're broken, and they need some hope. And so I, I think sometimes when we look at the question of relationships, it's not some, it's not always something of our choosing. Like, as is, but healthy boundaries are so important to have there. Like, setting some, some boundaries around that work relationship, that family relationship, even in your marriage. Like, hey, listen, like, we want this, like we're going to have to work to get this. And so, you know, I have certain people in my life that God is mending relationships with, even within my family. And if I get a text or a call after a certain time of the day, I do not answer and I will not answer because I know 100% of the time it never goes well. And I am like a punching bag to them. And so it is off limits now. And you know what? That has been a game changer. So I think just when you identify those things and go back to Jesus as your true foundation, foundation, um, it, it can really help a lot there. Yeah, that's, that's good. And, and, you know, just to wrap up, um, I, I would say this, just to build on that, it was really good. Um, again, yeah, like she said, that goes back to the first point um, of, of listening to God's voice. So sometimes God doesn't always allow us. Sometimes we do that and then we blame God, right? And don't act like you haven't done that because you probably have because I have. Everybody has. But at the end of the day, we're going to be adults. We're going to claim it and, and ownership. We talk about that to our kids. Um, and so, um, you know, sometimes it, I promise you, I believe if you would listen more, God's probably going to steer you away from those relationships, right? God's not going to say, if you're really listening and seeking him, yeah, go. It's going to really wreck your life. Go for it. No, um, he's probably going to try to steer you away. But even if you are in the midst of that, like, like she said, and you just can't get away from it, he's going to use that to refine you, to make you stronger. But again, always have Jesus as your foundation. So what a lot of times people do, uh, maybe they don't know any better um, or haven't been taught any better, is... I have, I really need a good spouse. I really need a good friend. And so we get that. And then I really need a good job. So I get that. And then I really need a good home. I get that. Then I need Jesus. Well, no, no, no. Because now all these things are going to 
be messed up in your life, and then what are you going to do? No, let me start with Jesus first, build him as my foundation, then he will guide me to the right spouse or the right friendship or the right relationship or the right job or the right home or whatever it else. But if you're trying to do it on your own, you're really trying to be your own God, and you're really your own idol. And that never ends well. And you probably know that because you've done that through experience. I think we all have at different times. But if you'll make Jesus the foundation of whatever, I promise you, he's not going to steer you in the wrong direction when you spend time listening to him. So, man, let's really good. Any other last thoughts? No, I just, I just feel very encouraged just to say be encouraged. Like maybe this is like, oh, man, I feel like I just got so much to work on and so much to – the good news is that Jesus finds us right where we are in the middle of our mess. We sang about it today, and that's the beautiful thing. Like, we are all messed up and imperfect, but there's always new mercies every morning. The Bible says that, so we can take it to the bank. We can believe it. There are new mercies every morning. So maybe this is like, you know what? I've been trying for years. I've wanted for years for my marriage, for this to be better, for my work life to be better, to stop getting angry. All the things that we talked about today. His mercies are new every morning, no matter how many things you've done, no matter how messed up you feel like you are. You've never messed up more than what he can give you in grace. Like, it's just so awesome. That was just the the anthem of my life. And I, I feel like when I'm worshiping and just even this morning, I just felt God just nudged my heart. Just, you've been forgiven much. Pastor Kevin shared that, you know, be thankful. Tell God what he's done for you. We've been forgiven so much. And so I stand up here to say, like, this is an encouraging message, I feel like, because I know no matter where I'm coming from and what I'm struggling with, God can use that. He can use it as part of my story. He can use it to change my life. And, and there are so many encouraging days ahead. So That's good. That's good. All right. Well, again, continue. Feel free to, to write your questions in. Um, you can email them. You can make it anonymous. You can text them. You can just write on that card, and we'll get them next week. 